Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. To celebrate International Women's Day, Studio 23, in partnership with Cinema Niche, will host a showing of Sisters with Transistors, Electronic Music's Unsung Heroines, on Friday, March 8 at 7.30. The documentary is about Electronic Music's female pioneers, and I'll have a link to it on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. And the first time I saw zombies, they were over by Crafty, and they're drinking sodas through straws, because the last thing they put in are the teeth. They've got their contacts in, their hair, they're bloodied up, and they're drinking sodas. That was Tom Sanchez-Prunier talking about the first time he ran into zombies on the set of The Walking Dead, which was shot here. Tom lives in Richmond and works as a location manager or a location assistant on films and TV series shot in this area. He's also written and directed some short films, written poetry, and created a YouTube channel that features die-cast cars. We'll talk about this on today's show. Sifter Review of the Week Masters of the Air on Apple TV+. Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg were behind the World War II show's Band of Brothers and the Pacific. They created this new series that looks at American bombers flying missions to destroy targets in German-occupied Europe. As expected, there's an enormous cast of young men, led by Callum Turner and Austin Butler. Sadly, so many characters mean that none of them get much focus. As a result, there's little real concern about the men and sometimes a question of who's who. The only exception would be the few who parachute behind enemy lines, but that's a small part of the story. The group scenes are often energetic but cluttered without much narrative drive. What stands out is the combat footage. Every episode revolves around a mission and the expected calamities, injuries, and deaths that occur. The footage is often riveting, especially with the speed of the aerial encounters. However, when this experience happens every episode, it loses some of the impact. Ultimately, the whole thing becomes rather flat, lacking much depth in the characters and one blazing battle after another. I gave Masters of the Air three out of five stars. Tom Sanchez-Prunier, thanks for being on the show. you got so much in your resume. You've got location scouts, you've got screenwriting, you do these diecast car videos, and a poet. What came first? Um, well, it always came to the writing. Poetry was first in the early 2000s, shortly after I moved down here with my wife. And where was that from? New York. And what were you doing in New York? Uh, well, my wife was a copywriter and I was finishing my degree. Uh, before that, I was just working behind a desk. How did you get yourself into the location scouting world? Anyone who starts on a film set or a TV set, you're going to start as a production assistant. Right. Uh, I actually worked in the production office, so I had touch points with every department. Got to know people, and then I was having a conversation with the location managers. They had two of them on the AMC series Turn, and right. I asked them a little about what their department does. And they, you know, they're describing locations is a lot like logistics. Becky Beckstaffer quipped, "You know, we talk to mayors and senators and city officials, and we sign these big contracts and pay all this money, getting everything ready, mm -hmm. and then the day of the shoot." We pick up the trash. Take out the trash. Right. Somehow that appealed to me. So, what exactly does a location scout do? Obviously, you got to find a location, but it's more than just, hey, this is perfect. Uh, the location scout is sent out by the creatives, mm -hmm. the director, and the producer, and the ad agency. And they say, we want this look and feel and about this dimension. And that's all well and good. But a film crew isn't just where you're filming and where you put the camera. You have all that gear and all those people, and you have to feed them, you have to park their cars. So you have to consider all of those things. Plus, they might say, hey, we're in this town. We need it in this town. 
Ah, yeah. Or if we have multiple locations on the same day or consecutive days, we want them near each other so we can move our gear more easily. So the locations department is a very much a catch-all, and you have to have a good understanding of everything on a film set. So what was the first project you got to work on as locations? The PBS series Mercy Street. Footnote. Mercy Street was a 2016 series on PBS about a hospital and its nurses during the Civil War. We had one primary location, which was the hospital, but then we did a lot of work in Petersburg. Right. Uh, both at Center Hill, which is the mansion on the, you know, in the center of town, and then Old Town in Petersburg. And also really cool, it was in, a, in the middle of a farm field. I have a picture. We burned something down and blew it up in the oh, middle great. of the night. And uh, I think I have that as my one of my social media pictures. This is me giving a thumbs up and this big fire behind me. Was there anything interesting about Mercy Street that was a challenge? That was a period piece. Uh, was mm -hmm. there anything that was a challenge about that one? I think the challenges that we faced where we were a small crew, it's television. So there's always constant change. Lightning within 10 miles can put everything on hold. Uh -huh. You know, you're dealing with a lot of extras. So you have to have a lot of space for people. You have to places to put them if it rains. In Petersburg, we, we had to know the phone numbers of all the neighbors and be in contact with them. Hey, turn off your light or hey, turn down your TV. Surprise guest drop in. So Mary, welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Jerry. And hello, Tom. Hey, Carrie. Good to see you. Footnote. Carrie Craven is a locations coordinator based out of Maryland, and she was here to work on season two of Swagger. Swagger was an Apple series based on the youth of Kevin Durant. Both seasons were shot here, and I have a podcast on the website with creator Reggie Bythewood. You so too. what did y'all do together? Uh, we worked on Swagger. Carrie was the coordinator for a 16-person location department. I was one of the two key assistant location managers. So Carrie, how was it working with Tom on Swagger? Tom was an extraordinary key ALM. On the set, everybody is on a radio. I'm in the office, so I'm only as good as the information I get. And I was grateful that Tom would continually funnel to me information. And, you know, I found it no matter what he was saying, even if it wasn't like an action item, that I was appreciative of being able to go, okay, this is what's going on. And this is why this has occurred. And this is why we need air conditioning in the afternoon and heat in the morning in September, because you just never know. And right, that, right. that was, you know, this is the kind of thing that Tom was always really good at, in addition to budget and security and Excel. People think it all, it is all just the glamour or we do just pick up the trash. It's like throwing a wedding every single day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what it is to me. Every day is a wedding. Before I let you go, is there anything else you wanted to say to Tom or about Tom before uh, you sign off? I hope we get a chance to work together again, sir. Really, I would love Same. to do that. Same. And that's that's the high praise. That's what you're always doing. You're always working for your next job and you're you're kind of finding your tribe and, and Harry's my tribe. There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to meet you, Jerry. I'm subscribing now. Thanks a million for inviting me. Everybody have a great weekend. Bye. Bye. So once you find the location, what's next? As a location scout, you have to knock on people's doors. And if all goes well, within five or 10 minutes of meeting them at their doorstep, they're letting you into their home to take photographs of their home. So you have to be quite diplomatic. I always tell people when we're scouting, hey, 
I just want you to know, you know, we're going to pay you for the inconvenience. You know, sometimes if it's a major move in, we will the, the residents into a hotel. But we say it is a very polite but very total takeover of your space. Right. You know, this is why we do things like put protection down and cardboard and everything, especially very nice homes. Right. And when we're in historical locations, you have to do that. In uh, At Center Hill, there's a piano that's valued at $1 million, wow. a grand piano. Yep, we cover it in Fernie pads. We put velvet ropes around it. So there's a lot of things you have to consider. And then when the circus comes to town, you are there to answer questions and be the liaison with the officials, with the owners, with the neighbors. You know, there have been a lot of times where, you know, we will have security, but you will sometimes have what we call bogeys. On Mercy Street, we had someone who was on the TV show, How to Get Away with Murder. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of fan people, including one who snuck onto our set ah. while we were at lunch, took pictures and posted them to Facebook and was still there. And our production office saw it and contacted us and we had to chase her away. And she wow. was, she felt she was entitled to be there. Right, like, right. So what's the biggest challenge you've had on trying to either find a location or work the location once you're there? I think finding a location is challenging because you want the look, but you also have to have the infrastructure. Right, uh, sure. I have found amazing spaces that have no elevator access. And it's like, there's no way we can bring a full crew up here because you're going to be asking them to lug their equipment up two or three flights of stairs. Right. Or we found great places, but you know, one of the, one of the five counties in Richmond just doesn't want to work with us. What county is that? Can you tell us what county it is? Henrico. Okay. Well, wow. <laughs> yeah. Really? That's a big one. Huh. Oh yeah. They take our signs down and everything. Uh, we put up yellow signs like to set and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And you, you've seen those. Of course. I'm assuming this is be your job because I've seen it. I, kn I know what to look for, but you'll sometimes see these little signs on a telephone pole or someplace mm -hmm. and it'll have some kind of cryptic. It's, it's usually like a, an abbreviation or something with an arrow. And, mm -hmm. you know, oh, they're shooting that movie there or they're shooting that series there. Locations is going to run around and put those up on the telephone poles and everything, right? Yeah, we do that. We try to wait until the day before and then take them down quickly. I was not on this, but Imperium had Daniel Radcliffe. Footnote. Imperium was shot in Petersburg and Hopewell in 2015, and Daniel Radcliffe was the lead as an undercover FBI agent who infiltrated white supremacists. Now, he was great to the fans because they came out every day. I understand that they put the signs up reversed. So whatever direction they pointed, you'd go the opposite way. You know, <laughs> to throw that was... people off. They've done that for other big films too. So that trick was used. That's a great idea. Yeah. Walking Dead is on your resume. What was mm -hmm. that like? Because a lot of that is kind of deserted locations and yes, empty dead places. It, surprisingly, it isn't. Um, that was my first assistant location manager role. It was a very challenging one. When you talk about lightning, we shot during the summer. Lightning every single day wow day four we were supposed to be in four different locations in petersburg we made two of them but when it became nightfall and we had a bridge in petersburg that goes to that little island there we closed that bridge dressed it down turned off its lights put a big moonlight over it and it was the first day zombies worked and the first time i saw zombies they were over by crafty and they're drinking sodas through straws because the <sighs> last thing they put in are the teeth. You can see like just a normal living person sticking out of their mouth like they're wearing a mask. But once you put the teeth in, the effect is complete. They've got their contacts in, their hair, they're bloodied right. up, and they're drinking sodas. 
<laughs> and talking. There were times where I'd sit down and have a 15 minute conversation with someone in full zombie gear. Yeah. And then on a show later, I meet them and they're not zombie. And they're like, yeah, we talked with, oh, that was you. you yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. We had a lot of nicknames for them and everything. And, you know, like based on their injury. Right. What we right, called right. one was Mick Rib because his ribs were out. Yeah. And so they had, a, it was an amazing thing. Like we cut up an airplane and put it in downtown in the shopping area of Hopewell. I remember seeing pictures of that. Yeah. It was interesting. I had to have the conversation with the crowd. I had to move the crowd 50 feet because they were right up next to things. And it was like, this isn't live TV. I'm sorry. We're going to have to move back. And you know, we, we had our security there. We had Hopewell police there. We had the municipal people there. They showed me how the, the traffic lights work because I had to turn them on to blinking. And then because we were going all night, it was my job to put them back from blinking red to blinking yellow. It was really exciting to do, to see that plane. Well, you may not be able to say this politically, but it started out okay and then it fell apart and I gave up on it. But I did watch the first episode and it was very cool because I'm sitting there looking and saying, wait a minute. That's Schaefer Street Playhouse. I know exactly where that location is at VCU because I yeah. actually went to school and did plays in that very theater. So that was kind of a nice surprise to see Schaefer Street in there. It's funny you bring that particular night up. That was a Friday night at VCU main campus, but there was something going on in the Schaefer Street house upstairs. It was a poetry reading. Oh. So we gave them our cafeteria, which was the old gymnasium, which was still up. Right. And we moved that entire poetry reading over there. And then wow. also we're able to donate some money to their organization. They were a very new student organization. We gave them, you know, some money and uh, afterward and they were very appreciative. They were willing to move it. You know, they didn't have the schedule posted. So nobody at VCU knew they were going to be there. Pivoting completely away from all of this, because you have this crazy other little life that you do. Spork Syndicate. What is that? <laughs> um, during the pandemic. I watched my, at the time, five and six-year-old son playing on the living room floor, having little stock car races with these little die-cast cars, little 164th scale, Hot Wheels, Matchbox cars. And I used to do that in my basement when I was his age. And I remembered I still had my collection up in the attic. So during the pandemic, I went up in the attic, I brought down the collection, I took out all the duplicate cars I had and there were enough duplicate cars because my collection at the time was about 2000 to fill my four foot by eight foot dining room table, just like a big parking lot. I said, take what you want. He started playing with the cars. Now, some of these cars he had were older. So axles are bending and, you know, oh, hey, this one's broken. OK, where do I go? YouTube. And I learned how to fix the axles. Then I see people are customizing their cars. I immediately just jaw drop like I want to do that. And some of the, uh, you know, groups of uh, like what they call build teams would hold monthly builds and say, all right, we're going to use this car and the theme is going to be surfing. So you would get that car and you make it a surfing car, you know, put a surfboard on it, whatever. But I started to send, you know, like communicate and connect with them. And then uh, in the beginning of 2023, I launched a channel. I gave it the name Spork Syndicate partly for alliteration, but also because sporks are adaptable. Ah, okay. And if I do this, so it doesn't have to be one thing. It's been this interesting endeavor because for me, one, I love playing with tools and making things and building things. But two, I'm making films. They're short. Yeah. I mean, they're documentary style, but I'm having fun. I'm editing, I'm filming. And, it, and my, my subject is small. Yeah. February 4th was my YouTube anniversary. I had 
produced 66 videos, ranging from one minute long to 26 minutes long. Now, I mentioned build teams. I got drafted onto the build team that I am been a big fan of. I am one of the four horsemen. That's the name of the build team. It's been this very exciting development in my filmmaking and storytelling career because for me, it's not just a how-to. I'm trying to tell a story. I'm trying to make it interesting, and I'm also editing it as tight as I can and, uh, and, and trying to make it cinematic. What's the response been online? It's been pretty good. I, uh, I'm just cresting almost 260 subscribers. That's not a lot right now, but the last 60 have come in the last two weeks. Wow. And it's a direct result of being part of this build team. Some people are writing me in different languages and I can copy paste it in the Google. Right. And, oh, sure. And right. then I, you know, like Russian, I will write yeah. back to them, you know, as hopefully it may attract, but you know, thank you. You know, I don't, I don't try to go too much, you know, right, right. my build team, they live, uh, one is in Maine, one is in Florida and the other one is in Switzerland. Oh, cool. And two of them are ordained ministers. Wow. And my wife is an ordained minister. So there's that little interesting connection. Huh. So one thing I always like to ask everybody, when you're not working on a set or working on your cars, what do you like to watch? We're still watching the last season of Ozark. Oh, wow. Good. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. You got some surprises. Yeah. Yeah. We're way behind. I also like the two comedies by Canadian Jared Kiso, Letter Kenny mm -hmm. and Shorzy. Didn't love Shorzy, but love Letter Kenny watched every episode. I'm going through it again where sometimes I'll have it on in the background like a podcast where I'm not watching and I'm listening to it. Right. I like Archer and Hulu just uh, added season seven of Rick and Morty. I'm also a big Formula One fan. So I'm watching a lot of Formula One related things. And we've got the silly season. My favorite driver has announced that he's moving to Ferrari in 2025. Did you see that movie? Uh, which one? The new Ferrari, the, the most recent, oh, the Michael no, Mann. I have not. I have not seen that one with... Um, Adam Driver. I'm right, very much right. looking forward to that. Thank you very much for doing this. This was great fun. Thank you so much. Tom Sanchez Prunier lives in Richmond and works as a location manager or location assistant on films and TV series shot in this area. I'll have a link to his work, including Spork Syndicate, on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. It's a slow week for movies, primarily because the big one is Dune Part 2 which is reportedly full of action and excitement. Drugstore June, a comedy about a young woman who sets out to solve the robbery of the pharmacy where she works, starring Esther Povitsky, with Bobby Lee, Haley Joel Osment, James Remar, and Beverly D'Angelo. E.O. Capitano, a tale about two young men who leave Dakar to go to Europe, from the director of Gamora and last year's live-action Pinocchio. It's also Oscar-nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. TV and Streaming. Damsel, on Netflix, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things takes on her first adult role as a woman slated for a royal wedding, but she finds herself in a cave with a fire-breathing dragon. The Regime, on Max, Kate Winslet stars as the chancellor of a modern European country who becomes paranoid and politically unstable, created by succession writer Will Tracy. Spaceman, on Netflix. Adam Sandler once again goes for a dramatic role as an astronaut who discovers a giant talking space spider on his ship, voiced by Paul Dano, also starring Carrie Mulligan. Ricky Stanicki on Prime Video. When they were kids, three friends blame the Unreal title character for their immature behavior, but their grown-up versions have to create him for real. 
John Cena takes on that role, and the trio is Zac Efron, Andrew Santino, and Jermaine Fowler. The Gentleman on Netflix. Director Guy Ritchie has created this series as a spinoff from his 2019 crime film of the same name, with Theo James as the head agent. Super Sex on Netflix is about one man's experience in the world of pornography. Iwaju on Disney Plus. This is a collaboration between Disney and Kugali, an African company that created this animated sci-fi series set in Lagos. Donna Bailey has been a prompter operator for more than 15 years. She's worked teleprompters for live events and speeches as well as video and film productions. She'll be here next week to give us some insight into the tech and secret surprises behind the world of teleprompters. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.